Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. Dude, loving, loving the news today. Your boy. Yeah, I, I would boy. imagine. Oh, dude. And you know. You know, like just having him signed, you know what? If it was, if it was eight years at 10 million, I, that's fine. You'd Whatever. still be fine. Like, You'd still be fine like with the that, fact, yeah? Like, well, okay, maybe not that much, but <laughs> I mean, the fact that he would be signed is just like yes. joyful, but the fact that they signed him to that number. Oh my God. Marty, like, and I'll be honest with you. Like, I didn't realize he was 22. Okay. But a college player is a little bit older, right? So yeah. Yeah. My, my point here is. He's signed until he's 30. I know. Your best years. Okay. And what really gets my mouth watering is the fact that, like, this this guy is, okay, he's 40 goals. In my my opinion, he's a 40-goal yeah. scorer. And, I, and yeah. I don't even think that that's really a thought. The question is, how many times is he going to hit 50? Okay, and dude, I, and and I guess all I'm saying is, I got him locked in for eight years now, at yeah. seven point eight five. Okay, yeah, under eight million a year. Oh, this you know, you know, at the very, very least, at the very least, there's one fifty goal season in that kid. Oh yeah, oh, at and, the very and, least. And, and and like at the very, very least. So if you start saying something to the extent of two or three fifty goal seasons, yeah. Marty, if it was only That's two true. or three 50-goal seasons, let's say it's three, just for argument's sake. Okay. Three out of eight. At it, it, And for me, it all goes back to the price. A 50-goal score at under $8 million a year. Yep. That sounds real fucking good to me, bud. It's a huge win. Real, Like, it, it, it really is. There's... And they actually... They actually did like Montreal management did not want to pay him more than Nick Suzuki, who is I think seven point, I want to say eight seven nine or okay. It's it's not much more. Like literally, it's like a couple hundred thousand. Okay. And they got it. They got him signed for the full term under Nick Suzuki. Like, dude, I want to know what conversation uh, convinced him to go. Yeah, I'm going to do this. Well, hey, obviously, as a Habs fan, I've been reading anything I can on this today, like anything. Okay. And and the the biggest uh, underlier of all of this okay. is he did not want to go anywhere. Wow. Nowhere. Eh? Nowhere. Jeez, that says a he lot. likes what's going on in Montreal. He likes the coaching staff. Who the hell wouldn't? You got Martin St. Louis. Sure. Ba- like... When I say is basically letting you do what you want, that's not the that's not the the case factually. <laughs> but this guy is going to give you is going going to give a guy like Nick Suzuki or a Cole Caulfield freedom. Yeah. Okay. And what I mean by that is when we're on offense, you do you. Yeah. When we're on defense, you listen to me. That's I. good. E. Martin St. Louis. Yeah, that works. So. These players are going to have the freedom that they they want. Like, I mean, look, Cole Caulfield's a gold scorer. Like, this guy just wants to, like, you know, cock the hammer, get the pass <laughs> from Suzuki, lay the hammer yeah. down. Yeah. Like, th- 
That's what he wants to do. And that's what St. Louis is going to let him do. Yeah. Like he's not going to hold them back in an offensive, in any offensive way. Nope. He's just going to want them to be okay. When we don't have the puck now, it's my way. Yeah. And I think any great coach has that to him. So, yep. I mean, we'll see how it all plays out in the end, but happy it's boy a, today. What Hughes has been doing in Montreal, like, I mean, like we liked him. We liked the signing of him. So we liked the hope. We liked the prospect of what he could bring. And quite frankly, he has not disappointed ever since he's been there. Um, Hughes knows exactly what he wants. He definitely has a plan in mind for this team. He's got a five-year plan, I believe, and he's executing it to the T and he's making it work. And the good thing about this plan is that it seems to make the people involved and around it very happy. So that's a great, that's a great plan to sort of jump on board with. So on the one hand, am I surprised that Caulfield decided to sign? Sorry. So is it my surprise that he signed the contract? I'm surprised he signed it for the, for the amount because I'm sure his agent would have told him you could get more somewhere else. So I'm surprised by that. I'm a little, also, I'm a little surprised to hear him say he doesn't want to go anywhere else. He's not wrong that there's a lot to be excited about Montreal, but to come flat out and say, I'm not going to any of the other clubs. There are a lot of clubs that know what's, what's going on out there that would have happily paid him whatever it is he wanted, right? Within reason, obviously, not 10 mil. Um, but all that, all putting all those pieces together... It says a lot about Ken Hughes. It says a lot about management in Montreal. It says a lot about the city in Montreal. And it says a lot about Caulfield as well, the type of person he is and the character that, that he has. So this is a very, it's exciting because not only are there great players in Montreal, there are great players that are enjoying Montreal, which is not always an easy thing, especially for people who don't speak French. So this, this goes a long way, I think. And um, I think you're going to see a couple of more moves uh, that are going to be oh, like eye popping for Montreal. I think uh, I think you're going to see some nice stuff. Well, you know what, Marty? I think you hit the nail right on the head when you mentioned that the players want to be there. Like, yeah, for the, for for quite a while, Montreal had to overpay to get anybody mm-hmm. because I mean, and, and um, I mean, without really kind of killing this conversation, I mean, Montreal's just building a culture out there. Yeah, and. and you know, they're, they're finally getting into a little bit more of the analytics, obviously. Uh, they were a little bit lagging behind in regards to that. But, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing was this kind of semi-stigma that was going on where we just players kind of would want to shy away a little bit from, from the Montreal market. And yep. that seems to be changing. Um, you know, again, and, and, and you know, if you're, if you're kind of talking about the, the Cole Caulfield thing and, and you want to dig a little deeper, I mean, you got to remember, this guy's an American. Yeah. So... I mean, he could he 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 could pulled or could have pulled uh, the same thing that Kachuk did, and said, yep. "Listen, like you know, I mean, Kachuk's kind of a U.S. guy. He, he just he wanted to be, yeah, you know, I'm playing at home. In, 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 wanted wanted to play at home or a, a, obviously a different locale than Calgary. Was yep. upfront about it at the very least. And you know what? I mean, you got a young a young uh, goal scorer like Caulfield, and you know, again, he, he wants to be there." You want him there long-term. He wanted to be there long-term. So it's just like, okay, the numbers matter. The numbers will always matter. But, you know, that's kind of getting a little bit, and maybe I'm really kind of putting a, a um, stifling this a little bit, I guess is what I'm saying. But, 
yes, the number is important, but it is a little bit of the minutia of it. Like, obviously, the most important things were player wanted to be there, team wanted them. Right. So, so okay, cool. Like, th- that right there is usually the problem. So, that's all figured out. Let's just get down to it. And like yeah. you said, I mean, they, they just, there's a lot, there's a lot of good going on in Montreal right now. You know, I, I hope they continue to build with from, from within. I don't really... I don't necessarily need to see any big moves. I know this Pierre-Luc Dubois thing just won't go away. Yeah. And I hope they don't. And 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 I'm all in for him. I'm all in for him. Yeah. But, uh, but, but, but Montreal, and I said this already on the show this year, don't overpay for this guy. No, exactly. Fuck, don't do it. In fact, if what he said. Pierre-Luc Dubois already kind of shot himself in the foot by saying, I, I really want to go to Montreal. So you don't have to overpay for Pierre-Luc. You don't. No. You can underpay Just for him, and, and he's and he should actually take it. And you tell him this is the money. And if he says no, I want more, you say, All right, good luck sitting down. Then you're never going to play for us. And then just wait him out because he will eventually just cave and say, Fine, I just really want to play Montreal. All right, no problem. You can come for this amount because we need, we have a goalie we need to sign because you guys need a goalie. You guys like, need I mean, Montre- a goalie. Like the Habs have the, all the leverage, right? So I mean, yeah. in in that in that situation, in the Pierre Luc Dubois situation, yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, Montreal doesn't. I mean, if Montreal doesn't have him on the roster, that's no big deal. I mean, no, they're they're exactly. continuing on the process that they're on. So that's right. I mean, it is what it is. Now, I I do have to say we are getting one of my beauties out of the way this week because as soon as soon as Caulfield signed, that is definitely going to be one of Mike's beauties this week. And there you go. We'll get that right out of the way. And I yes, I still have a full slate for you. As a matter right. of fact, I've got four. Four beauties for you this week, and not a single beast. We're not doing a beast this week, at least from my end. All right. So there you have it. That's good because I definitely don't have any players whatsoever. I have a, I have something I want to talk about in terms of beauty and beast. It's kind of a creative well, one. We're gonna so. get into that. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna chew on that for a bit okay. too. Okay. Good. Good. Because it's a, it's something that came up over the weekend, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna talk about this at the show because this is, I need to put a kibosh to this if this is true. But anyways, we'll get to that. First. I think what we're going to do here is we're going to go around the boards. And this week, we're going to get into some hirings, folks. Coaching, coach hirings, GM hirings. And before I go any further, I just, I want to make sure I get this in because I do not have it in my show notes. But Greg Corbin, if I'm not mistaken, has been hired in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. I do not know much about him. He comes mm-hmm. from the Colorado Eagles uh, organization uh, in the AHL. And, and I, I, I'm i not 100% sure, but I do believe that the Colorado Eagles are Colorado's affiliate. I'm not 100% on that, but either way, he's coming from uh, the AHL. So he's going to be taking over Anaheim. Um, don't Like I said, I don't know much about him. Uh, seems to obviously kind of an, a newer guy in regards to the coaching carousel. So that's probably a good thing, especially with what's going on out in Anaheim and there's just kind of in a rebuild, getting all the youngsters in there. So good on him for, for that position. I just wanted to get him in here because I didn't want to forget about him. But I think the biggest one that we can probably agree with, Marty, is Brunette is back in yeah. Nashville. Him and his this golf time. Cart. <laughs> yep. This time as the coach. Yeah. And, and what I did and what I did want to point out is there's quite the link here um in regards to Trotz, who is the now the new GM out there in Nashville, and Brunette himself. Um yeah. 
their their relationship goes back to when the kid was 19 years old and uh um Bru- uh, sorry trots was coaching the uh, uh believe it or not the capitals um affiliate at at that time in portland portland maine uh so he's known him for quite some time obviously brunette was one of the inaugural uh, predators in their first season of course trots behind the bench to start that uh that yeah. phase of uh of nashville's uh, tenure so uh, there's a lot of links here and obviously there's um uh, a comfort level between the individuals um you know brunettes had a, a little splash here uh in, in regards to coaching with the uh, the florida panthers and i mean he did quite well i mean florida won the president's trophy uh didn't end up getting uh, um um out of the interim tag, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, after Quenville got uh, let go. But you know what? He's going to get a chance out in Nashville. And uh, one thing that kind of got me right off the bat, and I'm pretty sure you probably think the same way, Marty. I sat there and I said, okay, Brunette's definitely been a little bit more on the offensive side of things, if you will, with both his time in Florida and as an assistant in New Jersey mm-hmm. um, last year. And then you got Trotz, who's like the defensive coach of all defensive coaches. Yeah. So so you start reading, and I was reading a couple of articles over the weekend, and yes, Mr. Barry Trotz is changing his tune a little bit. He does want to have quite a, an offensive flair to that team, and I do think that Trotz understands the players that are currently on that roster, i.e. Uh, Ryan Johansson, uh, Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne. I don't think you necessarily want to stifle these guys. You mm-hmm. kind of want to go that Martin St. Louis route I was talking about earlier and right. maybe giving these guys a little bit of freedom. Yeah. You know, again, uh, I, Trot, hey, listen, if Barry Trotz is around the organization, there's going to be some sort of defensive structure to that organization, regardless yeah, of who the coach is, yeah. regardless of who the coach is. Like, that, that's, gonna, that's part of the makeup of that team. So I don't think that that's going to be so much of an issue. And I, 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 I think it's a good fit. Uh, I, I, I gotta say, I, I, I think that fits right pretty, quite nicely with what's going on over there. And I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm not going to say that Nashville is going to make the playoffs per se, but I will say that they certainly will push. I mean, you well, still got a decent yeah. goaltender. You still got oh, a, yeah. a, 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 you know, a stud D in Yossi. And you've yeah. got guys that can put the puck in the net. I mean, look at the year that Duchesne yeah. had last year. Uh, sorry, not this current year that just finished, but year last before, year. Yeah. yeah. Over 80 points. I mean, I think he was over 40 goals. Yep. It, it's there. It's there. Yeah. It's just, It just has to come out. So, um, you know, I don't want to say too, too much more on, on the brunette. I know you got a few things to say on that too. So I'm just going to add on that. Like he, so Trotz even went as far as saying, like telling his scouts that for the draft coming draft, he wants them to take big swings, go after some guys. So to sort of reinforce what you were saying, where Trotz actually kind of wants to see what this team can do offensively. Different. eh? Oh yeah. Like absolutely. This is a nice change. I think he wants to allow like in my notes, I'm I'm talking about how did he go out and get brunette just so that he can have a yes man? I don't think so. Um, on the onset, that's kind of what I saw it because I saw a too close of mm. relationship there where I thought he just went out and got himself uh, an extension an extension of who he is as a coach, and but is going to have more control over things. That's my first hit. But you're bringing up some good points here, and then I realized that he did also go out as as far as saying to the media that he told his scouts. Go out and take some big swings. Find some guys. Take some chances. Let's see what we can get out there. 
I think this plan is legit. I think Trotz wants to see what he can create offensively for a team. Um, and he needed somebody to coach the team a little bit more offensively than what he'd probably be comfortable doing. That being said, I think Trotz is also doing this knowing full well that to himself, whether or not he's sharing this with anybody else, but to himself, there is a leash on how long he will wait before he pulls it back defensively and tells Brunette, listen, you need to... We're letting in, we're scoring four a game, but we're letting in six. We need to pull things back. And then you're going to see a structure change. Whether it's after a full season of this or half of a season, I don't know. And again, this is just pure speculation. But because, you know, old habits are hard to beat, this is kind of where I see this. I, I see Trotz kind of saying, okay, I need to readjust. I need to rethink on how I how a team should be run and this is my opportunity, so I'm going to jump into this and try something differently. But again, old dog, new tricks. I have a hard time with that. I don't know if I don't know if I completely buy that. Trotz has gone. Yeah, let's go all offense. I don't think so, but I think he's going to give it an honest go. So that's good enough. Because Trotz, as as much as he is def- defensive and all that kind of stuff, I think he knows the landscape of the NHL is very offensive, and he's not oblivious to that. So he's comfortable opening things up and giving the reins to uh, Brunette, who has shown that he can do. Like you said with Florida, um, I think Kenville left. I want to say what was it like twenty five games into the season. Yeah, something like that. It wasn't much. It was no, exactly. So that means the rest of the way, the record ended up being. I think it was like I just saw it, fifty-one and eighteen. So brunette had a big. A lot, hand. Yeah, a lot of that's on brunette for sure. Exactly. So that to me tells me that brunette absolutely can handle this. So this is a smart move for a lot of different reasons. So I do think uh, you know the times in Nashville, or you you might come out and see something a little bit different in Nashville now com- coming out for next season. And, and, you know, just as a little kind of caveat, a little bonus too, and not that this means really anything, maybe it's more of just me and the way I'm thinking of it, but he's still kind of like a new coach, right? Like he's never yep. really, how can I put this? Like he takes over for Quenville. He wasn't the guy. He was in, you know, great year with New Jersey, but he was an assistant. He wasn't the guy. So yep. it's like you're getting a new coach. But yet he's got that little bit of a splash of actually being the, the guy. Like yeah, the, the time that he true. had in Florida. He, you know what I mean? So you're not getting some, like for even if you were getting a guy that never was the actual coach, the head coach, you, you're still getting a guy who's uh, very knowledgeable. I mean, he's been around the game forever, right? So yeah. just the fact that he's actually been in the, in the top spot, felt that pressure been the guy that's had to talk every after every game a, a presser so he's been there you know yeah. but you're still getting oh, yeah. a guy that hasn't been put through the carousel like he's still relatively new right you're getting a kind of a shiny new toy but he's got a little bit of experience with him you know what i mean so yep, it, yep. I, I just i think it's a really good fit i think it's it uh, is um, I, think you're right. I think it makes it makes a lot of sense with who's in place and 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 when you just kind of see the, the the history they have together, but anyway, I won't talk this into the ground. There, we're going to move okay. on to the Washington Capitals. So yeah. they go out and get Toronto assistant coach Spencer Carberry. Now there's another link here with Carberry and the and the Washington organization because he did spend about a decade with them uh, as a player, an assistant coach, and a head coach across. Um, the AHL and the ECHL with Hershey in the AHL and Carolina Stingrays in the ECHL, who, again, I b- do believe is Washington's ECHL affiliate. 
Um, so the, the, there's obviously a rapport there with the organization and with the uh, the new head coach. Um, I think a hold on. I I I don't want to. I'm we're certainly no experts on coaches and why they're there and the whole nine yards on this program, but I will say this: um, Washington's always been known to have quite a good power play. Yep. Uh, Carberry was in charge of the Toronto power play, and we know how lethal that was. So, uh, on top of the fact that they need a new coach, this is a guy that knows the organization fairly well. I do think that the fact that he's coming from dealing with the power play like you know washington's gonna want to try and and, well they're gonna want to milk everything they can out of this roster right like i mean ovechkin backstrom your carlson's these guys aren't getting any younger so it's now or never so if we're gonna fix this we gotta fix it like today it was a matter of fact yesterday so so I, I can understand why he's there. And again, I, I think a lot of it came down to the fact that he was very familiar with the Caps organization. Um, because to me, my initial reaction, uh, and I think you felt a little bit this way too, Marty, is but Washington's in win-now mode. Why are you not going out and getting like an experienced guy, a guy that can just kind of gallant or somebody going in there, yeah. you know, just been around the block the whole nine yards. So I I think there were some other little things that kind of played into his hire, but uh, you know I I I do think I think it, it's a good hire. I mean, if for nothing else, this guy knows what the Washington Capitals are about. Like he's going to be coaching some guys that he coached in Hershey uh, or right. or through the organization uh, um, at different p- uh, periods of time, of course. So he's going to be dealing with, with a little bit of that, and you know what. I, I, I got to be honest with you, Marty. I'm not the biggest fan of the carousel to start off with. So maybe I'm a little bit biased that way. And and, and just the fact that he's a new guy coming in, you know, let's let's shake it up a little bit. Like, why do we have to go back to all of these experienced? And and, and look, I mean, I know somebody will tell somebody will kind of uh, cross reference that and say, yeah, but Mike, look at Florida and Vegas right now. Two experienced coaches, blah, blah. Hey, listen, they're there. They're there. They deserve to be there. Can somebody else get the job done just as well? I think it's possible with the right circumstances. So, I mean, I I think it's a good move. I think it's a good move bringing Carberry in there, fresh face. Um, You know, I mean, Ovechkin's seen everybody in his tenure, so (laughs) why not shake it up? I I see it as a... Okay, so this this past season, they didn't make the playoffs, right? Obviously. Uh, And in fact, they were out... I'm not going to say early but earlier than they've ever been in a long time. Anyways, I look at this as like, why not? We've got nothing to lose. I don't see them as putting all their hopes and dreams in carpet. I don't think that's what this is. I I think this is essentially, it's a four-year contract on a coach that, you know, if after two years, it's not working, they're more than happy to just like, I I'm trying, I've been trying to figure out what he's even getting paid. It's probably not much. Um, And that's my point, right? It's a, it's a coach that, if it works great, because I think you might have a good point because he was involved in the power play and Washington at the very least, their power play can, can still definitely be very lethal. That's kind of where you want to draw in. So there's no loss there. They're not. And if they don't make the playoffs, would you be surprised if they don't make the playoffs next year? No. And that's I, I, I my wouldn't. point. I wouldn't. I mean, either. I don't think there's enough left in Washington. 
I don't think there's enough left in the tank for Backstrom uh, or Carlson. Ovechkin, yes. I think Ovechkin still has enough in the tanks, um, but not enough to carry a team. He's never really been a carry-the-team kind of guy to begin with. He's done a lot of hard work. He does most of the hard work for that team. Um, but, you know, the, the facts speak for themselves. He's never carried a team on his shoulder anywhere. Uh, they were only ever would win, a, able to win a cup. Their cup was in, what, 2018, was it? 17? Yes, yes. 18? Okay. 18. I think 18, 18. Which would have been his year, what, 14 in the league? Something like that? Yeah, I th- I think, actually, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, so, I drafted in 2004, if I'm not mistaken. So there you go. So that's like that's late in the game to say that he carried a team to the cup. Um, I, I, and I, again, an argument is that I agree that it can't all, it can't, it's a team game. It can't all be done on one player. I don't disagree, but we say these things about your Crosby's. We say these things about your fuck. I'll say it about a Perry, um, back in his heyday or not, sorry, just, just in a way that he, not that he's carrying a team, but that he carries a certain role and, and, and sort of personifies his role. And he's very important to a Stanley cup team. Ovechkin. You know what he's doing. He's going to hit you, and he's going to score a goal. That's it. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You need that. I'm not trying to downplay his value. But what I'm getting at now at this stage, he's the only thing left in Washington. And rather than try to go and help him out and give him more of a boost, you're going to kind of make do with what you got and get a coach that can be creative with the lineup. And that's what you're hoping for. And if you don't make the playoffs, no one's surprised. But if you do, everyone's super happy and you get to reap the rewards. There's nothing wrong about making the playoffs. You make the playoffs, everybody's happy. That's the easiest way to make everybody happy. But I don't, I just, I see this as being a win-win no matter what you do, even if you lose. So to me, this is as much as it's an important signing because it is the coach. It's also a nothing signing. It doesn't, I don't, I'm not convinced this brings anything to the table that wasn't already there for Washington. They're just paying a little bit less for a coach. It's not moving the needle for you at all. That's basically Eh. what you're saying. Like, I mean, it's like, okay, they got a new coach and and we move on. So it it, it will be interesting to see what he can do with that team. Um, Again, at the very least, I think if you're a hockey fan, it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out for that organization. I mean, yeah, you know, like I said, was a little surprised with the hire. Can yep. understand once you read up on it a little bit, but yes, we'll we'll see. We'll see how this works. We now we're talking we're talking about a coaching carousel, right? Oh my god! Well, guess who's back? Oh, or baby. sorry, who apparently may be back? Right, nothing official. And the and the only reason why we got to wait is because he's still being paid by the Toronto Maple Leafs up to and including the end of the month. Oh, it's the end of so, the month. Okay, okay. Yeah. So we are talking about Mike Babcock. We are t- talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets intending to hire him as their new coach. Yeah. So with that, I'm going to go right off, right off on a tangent, and I'm going to say my first reaction was Johnny Goudreau is fucked. <laughs> but which... Yeah. which, which which I originally had him in my beasts this week, which okay. I changed, which I changed just today. Okay. Because and and the reason, you know what? I I won't get to I won't get into that. We'll get into that when it gets to Beauties and the Beast. So we'll okay. do that to the side. But anyway, 
I actually think that it may not be a bad move. Oh no, I don't I, think it's a I, bad move I, at all. I think listen, this guy was kind of put through the ringer. All yes. of the dirty laundry came out, in particular yep. with Marner. Yep. So it's not like this guy still has things hidden in the closet. <laughs> like it, it's out as That's as to what to, as to what type of a guy or what type of a coach this was. I mean, this went even as back as um, Johan Franson speaking out against him. And uh, somebody else from That's the true. Red Wings, I think it was Shanahan that mentioned. Really? No, maybe it, no, no, maybe it wasn't Shanahan. I don't, think, I, don't, I don't think it was Shanahan because that was too close to the, to the hiring. Um, yeah. But there was another Red Wing who confirmed okay. what Franson had mentioned and that okay. he was being abusive on the bench. And anyway, talking down. Wait, was it Zetterberg? I think it was uh, I'm not sure if it was Zetter. Okay, I'm not anyways. sure. I'm not 100. Okay. But my point is, is that I do believe that if he does get hired by Columbus, and it certainly looks that way, and again, the reason why we <laughs> haven't gotten that confirmed yet is because he's still being paid by another team. I do think this may work work out, and I do think it will work out for your Goudros, for your Patrick Lines. I mean, the biggest thing that that I, I've had the chance to read up on is. Babcock does like a possession game. Yeah. He likes to have the puck. We know that from the Red Wings. We obviously saw it with, with the Leafs. If Johnny Goudreau's got the puck, I'm pretty happy with that. If Patrick yeah. Liney's got the puck, yeah, I think that, that that's got some potential right there. So I think this could, I'm not, hey, listen, I, we could be talking halfway through season three here in like December and January. And yeah. I could be going back on this big time, okay? Yeah. But I do think that this has the opportunity to work out for this organization. You got you got a coach who's been disgraced. Like, th- let's call it what it is. He was disgraced. Yeah. And that's why he hasn't been in the NHL for two to three years now. He, he wants to change that narrative. Who wouldn't? So he's going to yeah. come back. He's going to want to kind of be on his quote-unquote best behavior if you want to use that term so you've got him he's got some players to work with it's not like that team is devoid of talent either no not at all. they need an identity though that's what it's that's about. what i'm talking and i wonder if babcock is listen between babcock kekalainen you got john davidson as the president of hockey operations there you got some good people in place yep okay so if babcock can come in there Change his tune. Um, understand that this is a player's league as well. Yeah. Like I, I understand the coach has a say, but like it's either you or the players. Guess who it is? You're yeah. going. It ain't they ain't moving 23 players. No. So I think this could work out. Um was a little shocked at first that even somebody would even still be interested, but I think I get it. I I, I do get it. And and yeah. I think it could work out. Obviously, we're gonna have to see how it all plays out, but it's, if, it's got some if potential. it plays out, <laughs> um, if it if it if yeah. it plays out, and the last thing I'll say about it is, you know what? I mean, my initial reaction was kind of you know uh, uh, trouble for Johnny Goudreau. Yeah, Goudreau did put up hundred his best season, hundred and fifteen points and over forty goals with Daryl Sutter as the coach. That's right. So good point. And I mean, he's been there. Let's put it that way. So I think the story you were referring to earlier, uh, the other player is Chris Chelios. Uh, at one point, oh he was yes, spit- yes, he was on Spit and Chicklets, and he mentioned a story, and he also he backed up, um, 
he backed up Johan's uh, story himself, saying that that's true. Like, Johan was basically saying that uh, he's a great coach, uh, but as a person, he's a horrible, horrible person. Uh, and at the time, Johan was going through some concussion stuff, and Chelios was like, listen, like, Babcock didn't care. Um, at the end of the day, the way he treated him and his injury, it seemed like he just didn't give a shit that this was still a human being. So that's kind of where that angle is coming from. Now, that was Detroit. That was, you know, quite a few years ago. Um, that would be, holy Jesus, wow, almost 15 years ago. And the reason why that's important is my only point in all of this is um, people are allowed to change. People are allowed to be, mm -hmm. especially when they're openly called out. Uh, and like you said, all of your skeletons at that point are out of the closet. Everyone gets to examine them, uh, ridicule them, really pull you down. And they did. People did. Absolutely. And rightfully so. They, they drag Badcock through the mud. And rightfully so. This is the bed you made. Now lay in it. And for, for his involvement in all of it, he stayed silent. Uh, did his best to stay out of the limelight. He did go back and coach his university. Um, but he, I think he quit on the last year. Uh, he addressed the, the, the stuff a few times here and there, but nothing major. Like the, the fact that he was a jerk made way more headlines towards anything that he was saying. So my point is, is that if we're allowed to drag people through the mud for things they've done in the past, then people are allowed to change as a result of that. Otherwise we're no better than the person, the bully who did the bullying. Well, what do you think you're doing to the bully? I understand that a bully, you know, has done something to deserve it, but you're no better if you're doing that to somebody as well. Cause th at the end of the day, these, these are still people. And if people are allowed to change, which they are, everyone is, um, then we should allow that growth to happen. And at, at, that means at a point in time, we have to revisit the possibility that he was still a very good coach. And a lot of people will say that. So he, there's no reason why he shouldn't be allowed to have another opportunity if an NHL club wants to give him that. Um, personally, I don't. I don't have any issues with a coach who's tough on their players, looks for accountability. But I think it's a very, especially in today's hockey, in today's world period, it's a very delicate balance. And this is where it's going to be tricky for somebody like Mike Babcock. Uh, John Tortorella seems to have done a, a good enough job to sort of mitigate that and, and play below it. Uh, he's still out of Philadelphia seeming excuse me, seemingly um, asking his players to have accountability and to own it while allowing them to also just kind of be themselves, right? So the freedom. So there's that balance. Philly didn't make the playoffs, but they definitely looked better uh, than they have in years past. So by all rights, it looked like John, uh, John Tortorella in Philadelphia works. That stands to reason, ironically, Torrell used to coach in Columbus, but it stands to reason that Bobcock in Columbus would make sense too. We'll have to wait and see, though, because this is definitely a different NHL, even from when he was coaching the Maple Leafs. Now, since then, though, since Mike has left, don't we do we not feel a little bit like maybe the core four in Toronto is being coddled a little too much? And this is part of the reason why they're they've been into one second round out of 19 years is be, not not that this particular core four has been together for 19 years, but um, over the stretch of this core four, they've only made it once. 
Is it maybe because we've given them too much freedom? I know a lot of fans out there point at, you know, Mitch Marner doing the gritty uh, during the playoffs last year and being upset that he's having fun. Personally, I got no issues with it, but there's an argument there, certainly in some fans' minds, that the core four is being coddled way too much and, and baby to it like oh they're such delicate geniuses like no maybe they need to toughen up maybe this is exactly what they kind of need maybe babcock was on to something but needed to step back a little bit because he went too far now maybe this is where he's learned something and now over in columbus i mean there's no core four in columbus per se but there's some great talent there that maybe he can do something with that i don't totally disagree with this move i think it's a good move for columbus it's worth a shot that's for sure and one thing, one last thing I'll say is that this management certainly does like to bring in some tough coaches after a soft coach doesn't work. So it's almost like they go from one extreme to the next every once in a while. It's a bit odd. Well, I mean, he's, no, yeah, you know, I mean, Babcock's no Tortorella. So, I mean, nope. I, I think there's at least that a little bit. You know what? I mean, for me, it really comes down to the fact that I think this coach, like, dude, he's got like Olympic medals. He, oh, he's yeah. won a Stanley Cup. With, yep. He did not want to go out on that note, man. And and he's going to want to be, listen, I keep saying it this way. He's going to want to be on his best behavior, but you know what I mean? He's going yeah. to want to come in and he's going to want to be the best coach that he can. And yeah. he's going to want to leave that old narrative behind. And I think yeah. that that potentially could, if things gel out there, man, like he's got talent. He It's yeah, not he like does. he's got nothing in Columbus. Like it's coming. It's oh, yeah. just they're trying to figure out how to get the, the most out of that roster. And <clears throat> this this could be it. This could be it. We'll, we will see. I just think that you're not getting the Mike Babcock that signed an eight-year, $50 million contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're right. not getting that Mike Babcock. You're getting a different yeah. Mike Babcock now. So it's a bit of an unknown um, in that sense, but it, it's, it, it's still worth a gamble. If, if for nothing else, you take that gamble that he just and – I, and I repeat myself again – He's not going to want his coaching career to end on the narrative it ended with the Leafs. So this guy's got all the motivation in the world, uh, you know, to, to, to not only for himself, like his persona, his, his narrative, but he's going to want to go in there. He's going to want to get the most out of Johnny Goudreau. It's going to benefit that yeah. team. He's going to want to, he's going to want to push uh, uh line to get 50 goals or, or put him in situations to do so. So oh, yeah. I, I just think that, with some of the, all all these puzzle pieces coming together, I think it could fit quite nicely. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, with with just about everything in the NHL, we will see. But I, I do think it's a good move. And I mean, when you've got John Davidson and Kekalainen down there, like those are two really really smart people and have been around hockey for a long time. Like they're not going to bring you know if if there was any residual, I guess for lack of a better term, Marty, if there was any residual garbage that was left with Mike Babcock. Yeah. Like these guys would sniff it out and they'd stay 39 and a half feet away from him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it is what it is. But I mean, now speaking of Toronto, I mean, yeah. we, can, we can move on to now the GM hirings. Yeah. What are your thoughts, man, on tree living in Toronto? Meh. Meh. <laughs> I mean, listen, he, it's not necessarily about him so much as it's about, Toronto, I think Toronto, I think I think Shanahan was honest when he said he had every intention on re-signing Dubas and that was the direction he wanted to go. I think Toronto felt they needed to pivot and they needed to pivot quickly um, for a couple of reasons. One of them, I, I guess Tree Living was on their radar 
to a, to an extent. Um, but I'm not, again, I'm not so sure. I'm not convinced that they had any intentions to going outside of Dubas. So I think Tree Living was kind of a, a almost a knee-jerk reaction. And the reason I say that is because it, it kind of happened almost, not at the same time, but like within enough time for them to go, hey, listen, Tree Living was just recently let go. Maybe we should consider him. And the second you go look into a guy like Tree Living, if you listen out there, everybody says the same thing. Great GM, huge hockey sense. Everybody loves him. So those three things are huge, right? Like, I mean, that's that's what you want in almost every human being in your life. That's perfect. The other thing about this is that I Tree Living doesn't come off to me as someone who he's not a he's gonna go out and he's gonna do the GM job. But if at some point Shanahan wants something specific, Tree Living's not gonna stand in his way. I think Dubis, for to a degree, argued back and, and and would be sort of not confrontational, but like, listen, the facts point to something else. Dubis, as everybody knows, very analytic. This is what we do. Tree Living is is open to analytics, but it, that's not his forte. That's not where he comes from. So he's open to being like uh, to Shan to, to the potential of like maybe Shanahan walking in his office and saying, "Listen, I want so and so." Because I got a gut feeling and tree living going, you know what? Hockey is, there's a lot of gut feelings in hockey and I, I'll back that up. Absolutely. That's what you want. All right. I'll make it happen. Let's go. Let's go for it. And he'll get enthusiastic about that. Whereas maybe with Dubas, he'd be like, listen, I, I, I get it. You've got a gut feeling about this guy or you got a gut feeling about trying to do something like this. But my numbers show something else. So I don't think we should go there. Not that that made any sort of friction between Dubas and Shanahan. But what I'm getting at is with Tree Living, if Shanahan wants to try, because let's let's not forget here, Shanahan, he's avoided the chopping block another year. He has got to be aware that at some point his luck's going to round out and his head's going to be on the chopping block. So if he is at all aware of that, which he is, he knows that this is one of those years where if they fail again, his head's going to be on the block, not Tree Living's. It'll be on him. So I think he wanted somebody that he can convince a little easier to steer the, the, the team into his direction more so than in an analytical or another direction that he, his gut is telling him not to. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's about control, I think. I think Shanahan wanted Tree Living to be able to step in and overstep the GM. I mean, fuck, look what happened over in Calgary. Tree Living wasn't running that show at, by the end of it. That's part of the reason why he was let go, in my opinion. Because at the end, GM moves were being done by the head coach. So this is why, I, this is part of the lure, I think, that Shanahan liked Tree Living, is that if, I need, if Shanahan needs to, he will step in and go, we're doing this, and that's that. Well, what I will say about the Tree Living hire is this. In the situation that the Leafs, now, I'll, I'll preface this whole conversation by saying, you know, I could really give a damn about the Leafs. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I hope, I hope things kind of go sideways for him a little bit here. But listen, when you're talking about what's going on, the hire and the whole bit, I do think it's a good hire. I think under the under the circumstances, you know, you kind of walked away from Dubis, and and the and the situation that the organization is under right now, you know, figuring out about Matthews. Uh, um, 
you know, does uh, uh, Keefe stick around? Like, there's a lot going on here. You've got the draft coming up at the end of the month. Like, it, it's less than 30 days away now. Like, yeah. you, things are starting to come pretty quick here. July 1st is coming. So you're going to want to figure that Matthews issue out. I think with with they're under the gun time-wise a little bit here. So getting tree living experienced guy did well in yep. Calgary. Um, yep. Didn't get them to the third round, but did well. I think it's, I, I think it's a good landing spot. I think the Leafs did well in getting a GM of his stature. Um, I'm not saying that this is the greatest GM on the face of the earth here. I'm just saying with, yeah. with his, with his sample size of work, I think they did quite well. Um, I do like, I, I, for the Leafs and for the organization, I like the fact that it's somebody different other than Dubis. We went over this at length a couple of shows ago, Marty, where I thought that everybody should be should be kind of canned Shanahan right down to the coach, bring in new stuff, shake things up for these players. Um, you know, and, and I do think that the possibility is there uh, for something big to happen with Tree living at the helm. Um, now, having said that, Absolutely. during his presser, during his presser, he certainly did, um, you know, say on several occasions that it, it's hard to get that type of talent that that the Leafs do have. It's very, very difficult to acquire it. So I I do think that my initial reaction is that Tree Living would give this group a go, which obviously, as any of our listeners have heard over the past few weeks, I think one of the core four has to go at the very least. I think you need to shake that up. Yeah. Um, does tree living actually go ahead and do that? I don't think he does that first. I think the possibility is there that he does. Um, but as you know, Marty things, especially with a trade of that magnitude, it gets pretty difficult to do during the season. So if they do start the season with the core four, I think they move forward with them at least for this playoff uh, period. Uh, which would be next year, obviously in 2024. Mm-hmm. But I think they did okay. I, I he's got his work cut out for him. You can say that. Like he's got to figure out what's going on here with Matthews because I mean, is this guy going to be looking for 13, 13.5, 14 million dollars? And if he is, are you signing him? And if you do, what are you doing with the rest of the roster? Yeah. Because here we go again. Like I understand the cap's going to go up, but not by much though. Like uh, you know. At at some point, I just feel you need other pieces on your roster than what you've got right now. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty good landing spot for for Tree Living himself. Pretty good spot for the organization, I think, in getting him. Um, yeah. I think the fun the fun comes now. What is this team gonna look like with Tree Living at the helm? Dubas gone. So, I mean, you gotta remember, Dubas gave these kids everything they wanted. All of them, basically, they yeah. all got signed. Yeah. All of them. So, how did how do how does the Maple Leafs world work now with Tree Living in it? It'll be interesting to see, and I think that's actually going to be the funnest part for any hockey fan, such as you and myself, Marty, or just your fringe fan. I mean, on the outside looking in, how does this work out now? Because you know, there's a lot of questions as to the Dubis way, and and you know, keeping all of the offense, if you will. 
So where does it go from here? We will yeah. we will find out. We will find out shortly. It'll be interesting to see it get undone because that is what's going to happen. Uh, it's not going to be status quo. So it'll be interesting to see which part gets undone first and what will that lead to down the road. Because this team, if you don't necessarily undo it all and you just undo it in pieces, this team is built a certain way. So either you're going to have to change how you coach it or you have to change how you structure it. So either this team, one way or it doesn't matter which way you look at it, this team next year, this is a new, this is a new different, it's a very new look, new style, new Toronto Maple Leafs that I, as a fan, let's say there's a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I, are you excited? Are you, are you just apprehensive? It's tough to know right now because I don't know what I, I would trust right now. If I'm a Leafs fan, I'm pretty apprehensive because I mean, like, yeah. it, and and Marty, you know what? This goes back to me, or for me, back to when Austin Matthews signed a five-year deal. Yeah, I just That's that true. was I think you mentioned that it then was too. It, it it's just I I that left a lot it. of a lot of prime runway. Yeah, that another team can benefit from. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong. Like, listen, we at the top of the show we talked about Cole Caulfield wanting to be there. Yeah. Have we heard that? Have we heard that from Matthews necessarily in the media? No, we have not. But no. that doesn't mean anything. That 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 really doesn't no. mean anything. We didn't Leverage. necessarily hear anything from Caulfield leading up to that either. Yeah. Like, what else is he supposed to say, right? Caulfield, he just yeah. signed an eight year deal. I don't want to fucking be there. <laughs> like, so, so he's getting, you know, they're going to say what they, what they have to say. And it'll be interesting to see if that is what Matthews wants to do because right. he holds the hammer. He just flat oh, out does. does. Absolutely. So whether he wants, you know, you, re- <clears throat> I mean, one of tree living's number one priorities was to go and see Austin Matthews to, you heard that right folks to go and see Austin Matthews. Matthews ain't flying into Toronto. No. Tree Living's getting his ass to Arizona. Yeah. So they're going to go and butter him up and see what they can do. And you know what? I can't bet against him. I can't bet against mm. Tree Living. No, I would. Look what he look what he did with Jonathan Huberto. Exactly, yeah. He gets Huberto signed within a he week a after he, and and like talk about selling a kid on the winter. Yeah. Like it's just <laughs> yeah. I'm a coach that is as hard nosed as they get. You got uh, it. Tree Living knew exactly what he had in a coach. Uh, Huberto knew exactly what he had in a coach, but somehow found a way. I honestly felt like Huberto wasn't going to sign because of Daryl. But yeah. as it turned out, Tree Living said all the right things in all the right places. Maybe Tree Living said, "Don't worry, neither of us will be here in a couple of years." <laughs> and they aren't. And they aren't. There you go. Yeah. Oh, but well, the next one. This is the one I predicted. This. Or I predicted it as being the better landing spot for him yes. in Dubas and Pittsburgh. Um, because a lot of people at the time were talking Dubas in Ottawa, which I still to this day feel like is a, it, that would be a terrible fit. Um, the two clubs are in two differently, completely differently. Uh, they're going in two completely different areas. The one thing I am very shocked with is the length of the contract for Dubas at seven years, which I'm a little... Surprised that Dubas took it on. Now, a lot of people will call Dubas out for basically being a liar and everything else and whatever that because because of the things that he said at his presser 
I don't buy that. I think at the time, Dubas still definitely wanted to be in Toronto. He was saying all the right things that needed to be said for him, for his family, for the and for the organization. Um, and they were all true. Now, things have changed since then. He was fired. He wasn't, yep. he didn't leave. He was fired. So tell me you're not going to change your tune when the guy you said I want to work for turns around and fires you. You're going to feel like you got stabbed in the back. But no, Dubas went one step further. Put something out in writing, very nice and very clear and precise, saying, listen, things change. These things happen. No hard feelings. I love my time in Toronto. All the best to them. Great group of guys. And that's it. Dubas handled it the best way you possibly could and put himself in the best possible position for success. I'm just still surprised at seven years in Pittsburgh because to me, five years makes way more sense given the core of those players and the fact that we all do know that Dubas does have um, an affinity for his family. He likes his family and he wants them to be happy. And I'm not completely convinced his family would be happy in Pittsburgh. Not that there's anything wrong with living in Pittsburgh, but his family is from the Toronto area and that's where they know and that's what, they, that's what they're comfortable with. So let's be real here for a second and say moving from Canada to the United States is a very different thing right now. But all that aside, Dubas has the opportunity to do something extremely special in Pittsburgh with these players. Oh boy. I Because I think, I don't know if I talked about it with you, but I talked about it with somebody. There's about four, maybe it was on the show. There's about four years left of like serious hockey with this core three. There's no four. Well, you can throw in Gunsel, that'd be the fourth. Um, there's something very special with what's left on this roster. There's still meat on this bone. And I think they missed the playoffs last year kind of because of Hextall. <laughs> um, not a very good GM in my mind. Um, the, he should have done a better job at insulating those those players and getting them more support. Um, yeah, Raquel is a good pickup for sure. And, and I believe he was there the year before. Um, so he was there a full season last year. But these are complimentary players that do their role and that's it. They needed a little bit more. I think this is where Duba steps in. And he's able to plug those holes with analytics, find you those players, plural, that will do a little bit more and get you those couple extra wins to get you into that playoffs. Um, I know there's a lot of people questioning uh, Tristan Jerry and whether or not he's your starter or not. And even Casey DeSmiths, is he good enough to be as a backup? I don't think there's anything wrong with their goalie situation. I think that last year was kind of an outlier. You leave it alone. Let Dubas do his thing. And he'll he'll make sure this club is in a, is in a winning position for sure. So I do really like this. There's a lot of opportunity for creativity uh, and a lot of room for more W's. And I I think there's room for Stanley Cup in this for for Dubas and the and the Penguins now. Well, I mean, I, what I will say is I do I do believe that there are a couple of runs left with this group. I think they need to um, address the defense. And I do yeah. believe that Dubas will address that. Um, be, listen, I mean, going to Dubas, getting away from the actual specific players, he gets his autonomy. So he gets what he wants. He's kind of at the helm. He, he's running the show. He can kind of make those those decisions without having to go through MLSC. Um, it certainly looks like he's he the man. He, he is the guy. Oh, President yeah. of Hockey Operations. And what's quite interesting is as we lead into the draft here, he is actually taking on the GM role uh, on the interim um, yeah. for the foreseeable future until they do uh, uh, find themselves a general manager to put into that uh, into that role. 
but uh, Dubas is going to have his hands all over this draft uh, as well. So oh, yeah. it will be interesting to see. Obviously an aging core, so it was slightly surprising to for me a bit to see him in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, you, great points last week, Marty, in regards to why Dubas should be in Pittsburgh. Um, I, I still thought maybe there were some other uh, opportunities or other openings that he might uh, choose. But you know what? He, he goes with uh, the guy that you just can never count out in Crosby. Um, yeah. Of course, he's going to have to take care of the goaltending situation. I mean, he probably does want to bring Jari back, especially with the team uh, where it is right now in win now mode. I mean, there's certainly not yeah. any kind of a rebuild, a retool. Um, no. So he does have his work cut out for him a little bit. They do have some cap space. I checked in on that uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, Gensel, I believe, is on the last year of his contract. So there are some things that, I don't want to say there's fires. There really no fires, but there are some things that he's going to want to take care of here over the coming uh, coming years, uh, seeing as he will be there for seven, uh, which was <laughs> shocking to me as well, by the way. Um, yeah. But you know what? At the end of the day here, Dubas gets what he wanted out of the Leafs in Pittsburgh. Um, he, he's going to be the guy calling the shots from, yeah. from the top. So uh, apparently things are, are gelling quite well between him and coach Mike Sullivan, uh, which is obviously a good thing for the organization. Uh, and and you know what? When it At the end of the day, when it really comes down to it, I think this is a, a, a step up for the organization from the Brian Burke and, and, and Hextall uh, regime. I, I just think that that was a little bit too old school. Um, yeah. And, and you know what? I'm I'm not saying that Dubas is going to be able to go in there and, you know, make all of these trades that, that the other two weren't able to do. But I just think that he might be a little bit more aggressive. I, I think overall might be the word. So we'll see how that all plays out. But I mean, at the end of the day, the guy got the money that he was looking for. He certainly got the autonomy that he was looking for, which I think was huge. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? And, and, he, and he's got, listen, there's talent on that team left. Is, is it aging? Yes. Is it older? Yes. Um, but I think he, I think he can ring out another couple of runs out of this group and, uh, you know, good on Dubas for landing where he, you know, he, he gets what kind of he wanted. And, and, you know, I, I've got my feelings in regards to how that all should have played out in Toronto. And I mean, if the guy was just looking to be able to make decisions a little bit more quicker than having to go through 15,000 people, I kind of agree with him, but MLSC yeah. likes to do things a certain way and. They're going to yeah. do things a certain way, and that's just the end of it. And you know what? Good on Dubis. Uh, hopefully his family's happy in Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, at least it's not like halfway across the continent there. They're, they're sure. a sh you know, a shooting match away from Toronto, so uh, they're not that far off. And, you know, good luck to them, and we'll see what the uh, the Penguins can muster up here next year in 23 and 24. Yeah. Now, Craig Conroy in Calgary? Oh. Dude, I don't know. Like, uh, like re regardless of what I think, uh, the fan base loves it, uh, big time. And yeah, and 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 what I will say is I have to agree with them. If and and here's the thing for me, Marty. If for nothing else, this guy has been. I believe he's been in the assistant general manager's position. I want to say for nine years. Yeah, close to it. Anyways, he's. I think he's held. I don't know if it's and, and, all been GM. He's because he's been in, in a bit of a bunch of different areas for over a decade, um, right? I'm pretty sure it's been over yes. a decade. He's been with the organization, but a this fair has been amount long of it, waiting. Oh man, yeah, and and I yeah. and, and you know what? This is one of those for me that falls into the yeah, that's deserved category. 
Like, I agree. Like, like this is a this guy. This is how who's you get there. In, yeah. And, and, and you know what it reminds me a little bit of? And, and I'll go to somebody a little bit more recent. But um, when Iserman uh, ended his playing days, he got into that uh, Detroit front office and just learned and learned and learned from the big boys. Went over to Tampa Bay, did his own thing, and is now back in Detroit. Yeah. So I just, I, I kind of feel like, you know, Conroy's put, my point is, is that Conroy's put his time in with this, this organization. Uh, and furthermore, in an executive role, forget yeah. that it was with the Flames organization. This guy knows this organization top to bottom. Okay. Exactly. Like, like, I don't, I, I would venture to say that there isn't a more knowledgeable and experienced individual to take over that position in regards to the Calgary Flames organization. True. Like, he, yeah. again, he just knows it from top to bottom. So, yeah. Good on good on the organization for not being swayed by, you know, a bigger name or a big fish. If yeah, you yeah. Bring up bring up the guy who's been there for almost a decade now, if not over a decade, in multiple roles. Give him the chance. I mean, he's obviously got a much more fresher outlook than, uh, uh, in particular, Daryl Sutter. And yeah. you know, I'll go off on a little tangent here, and I'll give away one of my beauties. And one of my beauties is Dustin Wolf, and it's 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 a little bit layered. I've got him on my fantasy team. Love it. Love the pick. The thing that really excites me about uh, the potential for Dust, Dustin Wolf moving forward is Conroy said in his presser he wants that team to get younger. He wants to infuse that team with some youth. Um, Smart. you know, I think I think I speak for for many. Dustin Wolf doesn't have anything left to prove at the AHL level. The only reason he'd be back at the AHL level next year would be to get him reps, get him time in the net. If they don't do anything with a Markstrom or Vladar duo, um, I've heard a lot about Vladar maybe being moved and bringing up uh, uh, Wolf as the backup. Would love to see that. Um, obviously, get to see the guy at, at the NHL level with the big boys. But the most important thing for me is that he does want to infuse some youth into that lineup. And I think that Sutter stifled a few things. And I know that uh, I believe you touched on, on uh, a couple of players last year. Matthew Phillips, I think, was one of them. And I believe there was another one as well that was kind of somewhat being stifled a little bit by Sutter. Anyway, my point is, good move. Obviously, the fan base likes it. He's going to bring some youth yeah. into this lineup, whether it's just in the bottom six or not. And one more thing I did want to mention. Mitch Love is their AHL uh, their head coach for their AHL affiliate, the Calgary Wranglers. And he seems to be getting a lot of love right now in regards to being the head, head coach of that squad yeah. as well. And if he does, then that puts Wolf, I think, even on another level. I mean, this guy just went through the season with him. They That's dominated. Right. They dominated yeah. that AHL season. So, again, probably going off on a little bit of a tangent with the Dustin Wolf thing, but Craig Conroy, really great hire. I, I think it, it makes all the sense in the world. And and I, and I, you know what, Calgary, I think this really gives you guys a nice shot in the arm. And uh, I think, uh, well, I don't think, I know you'll be back in the playoffs next year. Yeah, and I, I'll just end by saying I like the coaches that are, are floating out there as replacement. And uh, I don't... 
I want to say I last I'd heard uh, Gallant had actually pulled out, but I believe I read a story where it was like, no, that wasn't true. He's still very much involved. But okay. regardless, the ones that have been interviewed are sort of an indication of where Craig wants to see this team. And you've got Gallant, you got Love, like you mentioned, uh, Boudreaux, Savard, and Pascal Vaisant. Oh, and Huska as well. These are all coaches that are have somewhat of a good reputation with younger players. These are coaches that bring in excitement, bring in offensive uh, hockey. Um, so if if this is an indication of where C- Craig Conroy wants to see the Calgary Flames, you're in great hands. This is going to be a much more exciting team because if you think of the firepower on this team to be told to sit back and play defense, what a waste of time to last year you saw it like it just doesn't work with this group this group wants to it's like they were held back on a leash and they're you know they're barking as loud as they can to be let go and 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 just daryl just did not want to let them go now it sounds like they're going to be allowed to to go with whatever coach they go any one of these coaches is going to let them play they're going to let them play their game um i like it i i think I think as early as next season, we can see the Flames right back in the playoffs in a good position with a better structure, playing with a better sense of ability than they did last year. Um, yeah, just overall better. So good good job, Calgary. <laughs> um, before we move into Beauties and the Beast a little bit later on here, I did want to touch on the actual Stanley Cup final, by the way. Oh, which is, is on which is ongoing. Um, I w- won't delve too deep into it uh, uh, this week. We got game two coming up tonight, um, Monday evening. But I will say, quite a resilient group that Vegas Golden Knights. I tell you, like you know, I, I I'm sitting there watching the game. It's one one, then it's two two, and I'm sitting there and I look over at Sylvie and I'm like, you know, like this is a really good spot for the Florida Panthers right now. And then the third period comes around, and at home, the Vegas Golden Knights did what they should have done. You're going to feed on that crowd. They really had a great third period, kind of buried the Panthers in the third, 5-2 win. Uh, Aiden Hill, Aiden Hill, looking pretty good. <sighs> not Jeez, too shabby not with that chat, save, my man. chatter about that man. Yeah, that not, save. Oh, boy, that, boy, boy. That, that, that right there, in my eyes, could be, could be a series-changing save. In my opinion, yeah. Um, so again, I I, I won't. Uh, it's not going to be a, a delving in too deep to the actual Stanley Cup final, but um, I I gotta say, Golden Knights looking good. And and if I gotta pick a winner tonight, you know, as much as I, I I've been on this Florida bandwagon, Vegas looked that good. I in just game one, that's the thing. And, and and I, I never I bet against it, the house. I, 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 I think they go up 2 nothing tonight. I, I And I agree, but we've been wrong about all of our predictions, so I'm actually going to call God, Florida. Yeah, bud. Um, <laughs> but listen, this is kind of what Vegas has done all season long, right? They're quietly the best team in the West. And by quietly, I say that because not because they did anything wrong, but mostly because Boston came out and became the best team in the regular season. At a time where Vegas came out and won it in the West with 111 points, it's not like they actually did anything uh, wrong all season long, but they were kind of in a difficult position, what with Edmonton and Colorado and everybody else. But again, I feel like they were, and maybe I'm not describing it right, but I feel like it was kind of done in a quiet fashion. 
Vegas just kept winning no matter what happened. They always just find a way. They're so deep. They're so deep. And I, and I oh, heard man. a guy on uh, TNT talk about it too where it's true. Florida's depth is not at all on the same level as uh, Vegas. Um, and you then you throw in Bruce Cassidy behind the bench who has just done this before and knows how to do it and has done it all season long. Like This Vegas team didn't get as much attention as Florida throughout the playoffs, but that's more because Florida was the eighth seed um, you know, tack on the fact that Miami was doing the exact same thing down there in, in FLA as well, and they were the eighth seed over in NBA. Um, so there's a lot working for Florida to steal the, the the spotlight. But again, don't don't bet against the house. Now, before we quickly go into break, I just let's take two minutes to talk about this one thing because it came up. Uh, I was at a, a party the other night, or a get together. I shouldn't say party. Uh, went to a friend's house, basically, and someone brought up the fact that they were pissed off that Vegas was even in the the playoffs. And I'm like, well, what do you mean pissed off? Why do you get angry about this? That's garbage. Like, well, because because of how they got there, they got there so quickly. What about all these other expansions? Now, I'm going to preface this by saying that this person is very much an Ottawa Senators fan. So it, they laughed at their own thought that like, well, you know, it's not fair. The Ottawa Senators weren't able to get to the playoffs until years later. So, like, they did laugh about that themselves. However, there is something of an argument there, because I'm hearing it a lot more, that the way new clubs come in and the way the NHL has decided to reward players, or, sorry, reward these new teams with players, very different than how it was handled in the 90s. Now, my argument right out of the gate was, I think the NHL saw an area where they could have improved, and they did something about it, and they improved. And that's all it is. This is just a better system now so that these new franchises can actually not only compete right out of the gate, but stay competitive right out of the gate. And that's good. That's healthy for hockey. Um, and, and I understand that, you know, maybe your Buffaloes or your Ottawa Senators or whatever haven't been there as much as they have in, in, in their own existence. Like Vegas has been around for uh, five or six years now, and I haven't seen Buffalo in the playoffs in that five or six years. Maybe that's not Vegas's fault, though. Maybe that's Buffalo that needs to pick up their own pants and, and help themselves out. Because it's not like Vegas got stacked with all these wonderful players. They did it a certain way. It's very strategic. There's nothing stopping any team out there from being strategic about their, about their lineups and their rosters. So I don't, I'm not on board with getting angry at a team like Vegas or Seattle. I think it's good for hockey. I think it's healthy. I think it's necessary. And I do think... The NHL was just trying to make something a little bit better than the way they had it structured before. They just they just fixed it. You know what? I, I, all I'm going to say about this, and and this will be the last thing I ever say on this topic in regards to like you know, oh my God, Vegas has got you know got preferential. Okay, here it is, folks. You ready? You got your pens, paper. Okay, here it is. Those were the rules when the Vegas Golden Knights came into the NHL. If your team got fleeced because you didn't want a player picked off of your roster, so you gave them, the, gave them another player, i.e. William Carlson, i.e. Jonathan Marchessault, i.e. Shea Theodore. Like, need, I, need I continue, folks? No. It's, it, it's not... The other teams in the league did not want certain players picked off of their team. So they yep. said, okay, well, Vegas, you can have one of these guys. Well, guess what That's Vegas it. did? They said, yeah, we'll take that guy. That's well, guess good. what? Some of these guys are now 20 goal scorers. 
Some of these guys are on a 46-goal pace in the playoffs this year, i.e., I'm looking at you, Jonathan Marchessault. Oh, Shea Theodore, two points in game one. Jack Eichel, enjoying... Hold on. Yeah. He isn't... This guy is <laughs> loving playoff hockey like oh, you wouldn't man. believe. Game one... He's built for it. Two-pointer. Two like, I have to give a shout-out to Jack Eichel for game one. Yeah. Man. Uh, anyway. Anyone who thinks that it's it's unfair or whatever other silly word that you want to use, it's garbage because those are the rules when Vegas came in there. Vegas That's didn't it. walk in. Vegas didn't walk in with the check for whatever the hell it was, eight hundred million, and say, yeah. "Yeah, these are going to be the new rules." That's right. No, the NHL said to the other thirty-one clubs at the time, "These are now the rules for expansion." Deal with deal with it how you will. That's it's not Vegas's fault that they took advantage of the situation and loaded the fuck up with both picks and players. It just did it so smart. That's it. They just they they developed a system that was able to start off on the right foot rather than start off on like I, I hate to say this example because again this was such a long time ago this is two very different ta- eras but when the Ottawa Senators came in they didn't have the luxury of this no they I'm, I'm not even sure what the situation was back then the structure for a new uh, a new team coming in but it certainly was wasn't wasn't what it is now but it did it work then absolutely not it did not work back then and that's part of the reason why they had to change the rules and i'd like how this worked out it made a new franchise me too quickly it, it, and i know there's a conspiracy theory out there that well though no, cuz vegas is very much gary bettman in gary bettman's heart so there's an element there that's like well it's it's playing favoritism Listen, you can conspiracy theory yourself to your blue in the face. The bottom line is, is that management core built a winning team right out of the gate because they knew exactly what they were looking for and they got it and they built around. They left some seriously good talent on the table to specifically build what they have now. It's not like they went out. Marsha Show was not this player he is today. When they went out, they got him. They saw something in him that uh, I think at the time it was an opportunity. Was it Florida where he was before? They didn't want him. They didn't see that in him. That's why they let him go. That's why they didn't protect him. Well, Vegas said, you know what? We see something. We see something with him that we can work with, so we'll do it this way. And it just happened to work. So anyways, I don't want to see it again on Twitter. If I see it, I'm going to block you. (laughs) But anyways, Uh, all that being said, for now, we need to take a break. A few words from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. And when we do, Beauty's and the Beast. Woo! Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. 
21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey terms. And we are back. back. Ready with Beauties and the Beast. And this week, it's an all beauties lineup for Mike. Starting, starting with the big news today. Caulfield Ooh. locked in for eight. I got him till he's 30. Thanks, boys. <laughs> oh, yeah. 50 goal score. Let's go. Let's go. All let's fucking go. I love seven it. Years. Love eight, eight years. Sorry, eight years. 7.85 million. Seven, eight. I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier. Got my two big guns ready to go. Let's do this. Good for you. Caulfield, you are one of my beauties for the week. Dustin Wolf, we touched on you earlier in the program. I hope that your new GM, Craig Conroy, does stick to his word and does uh, infuse a little bit of youth into the lineup. Either way, I'm keeping my hands on this guy for quite a while. I mean... He, oh, in yeah. our league, he really in, our, in our league, the guy's got to play 49 games. Actually, has to play his 50th for me to have to make a decision. Yeah. So we could be hanging on to this guy for a little bit, potentially, yeah. maybe. A couple years. Because if he does get so. that backup job, we'll see what happens here. Yeah. Um, but true. Dustin Wolf, with the situation going on in Calgary, there may be an opportunity for you here. We will see. Yeah. Where there will definitely be an opportunity is with my second beauty this week, and that's Philip Gustafson. Now, I'm, I, there's a little bit of a, a theme this week. We're kind of going a little heavy on the goalies, and you'll understand with my third beauty this week. Um, <laughs> but Gustafson out in Minnesota, that's a really solid team, Marty. And I really yeah. do think that the transition starts this coming year. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Fleury in the last, last year of that two-year contract, um, Gustafson way big sample size big enough sample size for me anyway that yeah. i think you can really start to lean on this guy for about you know 50 55 56 57 games uh yeah. so you know whether minnesota actually pulls the trigger and starts to make that move this year is remains to be seen but if i mean if i'm dean evison out there and bill garen I really do have to think that you probably do pull that switch. You've got a great mentor in Marc-Andre Fleury. He's happy to be there. He's even said it in the media. He's happy to play in the backup role or a 1B, if you will, to Gustafson. So it seems to me like everything's kind of lining itself up here. And you know what? For any of you fantasy managers out there, certainly a guy you're going to want to keep your eye eye on next year big time. Uh, This guy could be one of those goalies that, you know, depending on what your uh, your keeper situation is, uh, you know, could be one of the first goalies taken uh, in the draft. This I would year. imagine. So, so yeah. Philip Gustafson, keep an eye out. I think this guy's going to start to make a, a big move up the charts in regards to uh, uh, rankings. So there you have it. Yep. Philip Gustafson, you are my second beauty this week. Or sorry, third beauty this week. My sure. fourth is Peter Kochetkov. And you'll remember him as the third string goaltender for the Carolina Hurricanes. And the thing that really stands out for me in regards to why I have him 
um, as a beauty and why I think he may start to really get some serious time here. If I'm not mistaken, both uh, Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta, I don't believe they have contracts. I think they both need to be signed. I'm not 100% on that, but I, I think they both need to be signed. And that brings me to Kochetkov because he signed a four-year, $8 million deal with the club this this uh, past year. Now, of course, that's $2 million per year. For a goaltender and for the sample size that we've seen out of Kochetkov so far, now, granted, he's playing behind a great team in Carolina, but that's not the kid's fault. So if you can get, I mean, if this kid starts to take over the net here, let's say at the very least, maybe a couple of years down the road, like you still got a couple of years at $2 million out of this guy. So I, you know, for me, the four year term is a pretty big commitment from the organization. And of course, you know, benefits the organization to lock them up for those four years at a very, very reasonable price. Um, I, I, I just think that I I think the contract that the, the player currently has speaks volumes into where I think they're going to be going in the 23-24 season. And I, I do think that Kochetkov probably um, probably gets a backup role here. Um, At minimum, I, because I, I, you're right, Anderson and Ranta both have expired contracts. They're no longer under team control. So, I mean, he's your guy right now. I mean... I think so. Uh-huh. Like, he is literally... You've got another couple of goalies on the roster. They're just not signed. So, yeah. I mean, I, I got to think you know, maybe they move on from Ranta potentially and they, they keep, you know, the, the, the yep. kind of the more experienced and, and the guy who's got the, the, the bigger track record, if you will, in, in, in yeah. Anderson, uh, you know, Kachikov is a nice backup. And I mean, yep. we've seen injuries all over the place with Ranta and, and uh, uh, Anderson and so. Kachikov has come right in and played quite well. So if there's exactly. any kind of an injury with Anderson next year, Kochikov just slides right in there, and you already you already know what you're getting with him. So, uh, I mean, yep. there you go. I, I I mean, I won't go too much more into Kochikov. I think I already have there. So there you are, fourth uh, fourth beat this week. <laughs> uh, Peter Kochikov. Kochikov. Moving on to the last one, who, by the way, as of last night was was my beast, but we changed our tune a little here. And I do think that Babcock coming in there could potentially be a boon for Goudreau. I think it has the, the possibility of... of, of I'll, I'll put it this way. Kid scored 115 points with Daryl Sutter behind the bench. Wonder if we're going to get some similar... You know, I, I don't want to go as far as saying 115 points. I don't think he has as much talent around him as he did in Calgary. But I do think we could see maybe ninety ninety five. We could maybe get back into that area potentially yeah, with Babcock. So, yeah. so I I did switch Goudreau from a beast to one of my beauties as of today. A lot of it has to do with the Babcock situation. And again, like I said, I, my initial thought was this could be bad for Goudreau. Do I deal him? But I'm starting to think this might work out for all involved. And I do go back to what we talked about in regards to Mike Babcock. This is a very, very motivated coach to change his narrative uh, of his career. Good, so, point. Good point. So I really do think that this potentially could uh, be quite a boon for both player. Um, in this case, Goudreau, we can go down the list. Ken Janssen, uh, Patrick Laine, uh, 
you know, whoever else you want to throw in there uh, on the Columbus roster. Um, and Babcock himself. So, um, yeah. Johnny Goudreau, you are the fifth <laughs> beauty this week for Mike's beauties. For uh, for the fact that we're seeing one game every three days right now, you've got mm-hmm. you got five beauties and no beasts. That's impressive. <laughs> well done. Well, you know. In fact, I you're figured... my beauty for the week. <laughs> oh, dude, check is well in the mail. Check is in the mail. <laughs> ah, that's good. No, but uh, I've I've kept it extremely simple this week for me, uh, mostly because there's just not enough hockey to go around. Um, but something true. that I definitely wanted to get off my chest um, because I feel I owe it to him because I've kind of been downplaying him a lot leading into this series, and that is one Aiden Hill. I continue to I up until now. Well, sorry, I'm not changing my tune. I will continue to say that Aiden Hill has, for the better part of his career, been a backup goalie. He's been given the opportunity uh, here and there uh, to be a starter, and the shoe has fallen. Now, he is still young. I believe he's 26, um, so there is still room to grow, especially from a goaltender's perspective. You don't usually hit your stride uh, at 26. It's certainly a little bit later, maybe 28, 29 kind of thing. Um, But specifically... As it relates to his chances at getting the con smite, because everybody wants to talk about either Matthew Kachuk or uh, Sergei Bobrovsky or Jack Eichel. And when I did a quick look online just to see, there's a little bit of chatter for Aiden Hill as a con smite. But let me be perfectly clear about something here. So as Vegas started to go through the playoffs, they started with Aiden Hill. Oh, wait, no, they didn't. They started with Laurent Brassois. And they still had on the bench, they had Hill, and they still had uh, Quick as well. So Brassois started to falter. He actually got injured. And then in comes Aiden Hill. And what does he do? He does nothing but play spectacular from that moment on. To the tune of every stat he hit, that he has is better than Bobrovsky. The only thing that he is lacking is an overall record of 11 and actually be 11 and 3 now for Bobrovsky. And it's 8 and 3 for Aiden Hill. So technically speaking, the only thing he's lacking is in the way of wins, mostly because he wasn't the starting goalie right out of the gate much more. Well, neither was Bobrovsky, but I think it took all of two games for Lyon to get sat, and then the rest of the way was, was, um, was Bobrovsky, where it's slightly different for uh, Aiden Hill. But again, numbers across the board, better goals against, better save percentage, um, total, total shots, I think, is another one where Bobrovsky's got that win. But my point is more along the lines of Bobrovsky and specifically Matthew Kachuk have been getting most of the attention for a con smite because of, let's face it, Florida is the eighth seed. Florida wasn't necessarily supposed to be here. It's been nothing short of very, very impressive as to what Matthew Kachuk and Sergei Bobrovsky have done in the way of sweeping Carolina Hurricanes, in the way of going 4-1 against Toronto, in the way of getting rid of Boston Bruins, the best regular season team the NHL has ever seen. They deserve to have the amount of attention that they have gotten. However, there's nothing stopping anybody from saying the exact same thing in the same breath about Aiden Hill. Everything he has done, and we've seen it with that save in the in game one, he has been nothing short of absolutely outstanding, completely deserving of Con Smythe chatter, just as much, if not more so, than his teammate Jack Eichel. And I can appreciate that Eichel deserves some chatter simply because every team has a Consmith representative. You've made it this far. Somebody stands out. And Jack Eichel absolutely does. 
but not in the same way that Matthew Kachuk has. So that's your that's your comparative there. But more importantly, not in the same way as Aiden Hill has. If Aiden Hill doesn't come up and do the job that he did, forget about what Jack Eichel does. It doesn't matter at that point. No. If you don't have that goalie, it's in the same way with Bobrovsky. That's why I think Bobrovsky, if if we're looking at Florida, who's the consummate? It's Bobrovsky. Florida is nowhere without Bobrovsky doing what he has done. And perfect example was at game one where Bobrovsky did not play well at all, let in way too many goals, did not just didn't look comfortable. Maybe he's injured. He's a bit older, right? So maybe that's what's going on. But you saw it. There's some chip in his armor. And look what happened. Five goals to two. Whereas with Aiden, nothing slowing that man down. And did Jack Eichel, I'm trying to remember who scored for Vegas. I believe uh, I Eichel, think Eichel, point got Eichel had a couple of points anyway. Had I think one or two. But I think you could have won that game without Eichel anyway, so long as Aiden Hill did what he did. And that's my point, is that to me, Bobrovsky is Florida's representative and Aiden Hill is that. So now to me, it's a two, it's a two horse race. Whoever wins the Stanley Cup, that team will have either, or sorry, the, the name on that Consmith uh, trophy will either be Bobrovsky or Aiden Hill. And if it's Jack Eichel, I will legitimately be upset about that because Aiden Hill has done everything and then some to deserve more, way more chatter than he's been garnered, which is next to nothing. And that's that's insulting to what he's done. And that's well, I mean, the, the one thing that you can say so far in the Stanley Cup final, and yes, we're only one game in. We got game two tonight, Monday. He has outplayed Bobrovsky. Like he outplayed Bobrovsky in game one. And, and Marty, you and I both know, and, and listen, when your goaltender outplays the opposition, that do, that doesn't necessarily mean an a win. But boy, oh boy, talk to Hassett. But boy, oh boy, if your if your goalie can can outplay the opposition, that certainly gives you one hell of a chance to be on the winning side of that. So gives you the best chance. Aiden Hill is is giving the Vegas Golden. You know what I I equate this a little bit to the Edmonton situation. We've been saying in Edmonton, all they need is just above average goaltending, above average goaltending, above average goaltending. Aiden Hill, call it what you will. Above average goaltending, great goaltending, whatever it is, he's giving them enough. And we said this a couple of shows back that, especially with teams that that can, I mean, Edmonton's one of them. Vegas is another, you know, uh, Carolina to a certain extent was, is another one that comes to mind. Colorado's, um, that offense is going to be there. Like they can almost manufacture that in their sleep. All you need is a guy that can make that save. And we go back to that massive save he makes on Nick cousins in game one, dude, that, that that's a momentum changer. Yes. In the game. And it could be, and I and I alluded to it earlier in the program, it could be a series changing save. Because yeah. if I'm not mistaken, I, I can't remember the score at that point, but I believe if Cousins scores that, Florida's up by one. I okay. think. Either I don't remember. And and irregardless of what the situation would have been with the score. It's a big save at a big moment, and and that's, that's what right. you need from a goaltender. That's what Aiden Hill's been giving to the Vegas Golden Knights, and to me, that's why right now your Vegas Golden Knights hold a one-game-to-nothing lead over the Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup Final. 
that's it. And honestly, that's all it is. And that's why to me, it's like having that great goalie, you can have scoring to your blue in the face, but without that goalie, you don't have that, that opportunity to score the goal mm-hmm. because the other teams already put too many in the back of the net. Whereas if you've got that great goalie, he's giving you a chance every single time. Great save, boom, turn it around. How many times have you seen a big save on one end and they go down the other end and they score a goal? Because not only is it important to keep the puck out of the net, but it's also, it gives enthusiasm. It gives momentum and it shifts the, the, the whole flow of the game and it hands it to your offense and says, here, you do something with it now. And then they go in and they score. And that's how it's oh. supposed to work. I mean, Marty, we've both played we've both played competitive sports, okay? Maybe not professional, but we've both been in competitive sports. Right. If I'm if I'm a hockey player, okay, if I'm any player on the Vegas Golden Knights, Aiden Hill makes that save. Uh-huh. You can bet I'm blocking that fucking shot. You can oh, yeah. you, you can bet I'm back checking. Um yeah. You know, if I lost the puck, I'm in the doing offenses. a little bit more. You're goddamn right because your goaltender just saved your ass. Oh yeah. So he goes out there and does that. How's that supposed to make the players feel on the bench? Hey, listen, that one guy that doesn't block shots maybe during the is now going to go out and block that one shot. Like it, it, yep. there, there's a trickle down effect, right? So oh, I mean, absolutely. Yep. You know what, Aiden Hill, good on you, son. You go from absolutely. a fucking backup to a potential yeah. consummate. Consmith uh winner. So oh, yeah. We, we'll see how this plays out here, but boy oh boy, Aiden Hill has certainly given his team a a a, a great start in the Stanley Cup final. Uh both the goaltending was great and the team played great, that's for sure. There it is, Beauties and the Beast. And that's episode 31. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you're interested in reaching out to us, you can email us at two guys a lead and some guests at gmail.com. You can find our latest episodes on our website at twogalag.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter for all of our info. Our handle is at twogalag. That's the number two, followed by G A L A G. Thanks for listening, and until next time.